Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. It's episode 83. Welcome back to the Hebrew Congregation of Houston. Um, I'm in moving right now, so I'm in a vehicle, but we know that uh, Shabbat must go on. I love you all, and thank you for tuning in. And so uh, the topic I want to do, and like I said, because I'm in a vehicle, uh, I'm going to see my love-in-laws. So I'm headed to Utah. What part of Utah are we going Saint to? George. We're going to St. George. We got my beautiful driver. Hello. Here. <laughs> so we headed over, over to St. George to see my love-in-laws. But I wanted to talk about financial freedom. And so I was uh, really meditating on that because there's a lot of deaths going on. And we, as uh, Hebrew Israelites, we're not investing in insurance policies, life insurance policies. And I want you to get a pen and write this down because it only makes sense. So I know uh, Minister Griff is my son, and we had this conversation before. One of the conversations we had was he was saying, well, I want to save $500 a month. He wants to like put that in his savings and start saving it. And so a lot of people, they do like 401ks and they do investments. But what about a life insurance policy? And see, I grew up around uh, a lot of people that taught me. And a lot of times we'll say in the white community, Easter keeping it real. Oh, they bury their family real quick. They don't even be crying. Like, do they even care? It's not that they don't care. They'll, they will. They'll bury, bury their family in two to three days. And I think that check of millions of dollars make it a little bit easier. Let's, let's keep it real. People are dying. Not only are they grieving, then they have to do a GoFundMe to bury you. If we want to do gener generational wealth, you need to get life insurance policies. Most of us should be uh, more dead than alive, worth more dead than alive. It's getting to be ridiculous, and I think it's a topic we need to talk about. And that's why I love the Hebrew congregation of Houston, because we talk about these things. We talk about these things that's going in the community that's affecting us right now. So it only makes sense if my, and I told my son, and you can get a pen down. If you're saving 500 a month or you put it in a 401k and your parents are alive, and these are for really the young ones too, because we know the, parent, the uh, life insurance policy has gone up if they're in their 80s or something. But if you're younger and like I have no medical conditions, you can get a life insurance policy on me. I was telling my son, for a million dollars. It's not if I'm going to die, it's when I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die. Why not invest life insurance policy on your loved one, your mother or father? And be a millionaire once they pass away that you don't have to go do a, a GoFundMe. They don't even have to be a million dollar policy. It'll be something to put in your in your pocket for generational wealth. Think about that. So if you're putting like $600 into a, a, a 401k or something, think about getting a life insurance policy on one of your loved ones. A mother or father is what I'm, I'm really talking about. And then all they have to do is sign off on this. So start doing the numbers and crunching the numbers. And if you're... Uh, Daughters or kids can't afford one. See, I, I was taught a long time ago. And God blessed me around people with business minds. And I say, oh, they all have policies. I wouldn't have got me one when I was very young. And uh, I've had it all this time. So when I die, yeah, Griff going to be sad. But he going to feel a little better when he get that check. <laughs> you know what I mean? He going to feel a little better about it. Because I'm going to die. It's, it's inevitable, right? 
Why should he have to worry about uh, burying me, whether it's cremating me, putting me in the ground? That's ridiculous to put that, that burden on him. And people are doing it, and it's wrong. I just feel it's wrong. So uh, it's open for discussions. Uh, anybody want to um, elaborate on what I just said? Well, uh, I'll quote uh, East. I'd like to just, just piggyback on what you said. That's uh, Life insurance is one of the ways that we uh, can build generational wealth. But one of the problems we find in our community is that people are superstitious and really have not been educated. I, you know, we say not educated, but that's not true um, in part for all because I remember the uh, life insurance agent coming to my house and my parents were paying life whole life policies. And I was a child. And actually, when I turned, when we turned 18, our parents gave us that money. Um, many of us did that. So we had the under, we had the knowledge of whole life policies, insurance policies, and that's just a basic thing. Whole life policies gain, you know, of course, we all know they they gain some money, right? You get some money, but it, it get cash value, put it that way. You gain cash value with a whole policy. But they're expensive right now if you wait until you 30, 40 years old, 40, say 40, 50 years old, you're gonna pay a lot for it. But if you do it on your children, like our parents did when we were young, it's very inexpensive, $7 and you get a $100,000 policy. $100,000 policy can go a long way. However, today you can get different kinds of policies. I would say this, in the younger years, you can get a term life policy, which is very inexpensive, right? But you can get one that converts to a whole life policy. Uh -huh. So okay. we have a lot of choices yeah. now, right? So there's really, the only thing is, is do we want to put that money aside for the policies? Now you can get million dollar policies with uh, some people, depending upon well, your- Well, Rabbi, I'm going to cut in real quick. We say it's expensive, but they're out there, and I ain't trying to judge nobody, buying weed and, and buying- all kinds of clothes and buying all this stuff. Let's start investing in policies. Let's start investing in something where you can pull out of. Yeah. But go ahead. So you, yeah, they're they're kind of pricey. But if you're you're thinking about looking at what your budget is, then you need to cut back on something and get a policy on your parents. Go ahead, but go ahead, Rabbi. Let's think in those terms. Yeah, I say I say it's expensive, but we have there are policies that can be sold for twenty five dollars per month, right? Premiums, or again, you can go the other way. Just pay if you have a hundred thousand dollars, you can buy a one time premium and let it wait. You know, just hold it for thirty. That's fine. But for most of us, we have to get the inexpensive policies. Let it be a, a individual uh, index universal life. That means that if you die, it's going to pay you a lump sum to your beneficiaries. But if you live on, it's going to build cash value. So there are different ways of using uh, insurance to build wealth in the future. And for, you know, it doesn't have to be 30 years, it'll be 10 years, but you can build wealth with that, right? But again, there, and there are different kinds of policies, the burial policies, which are whole life policies. Those are one way you just, when you die. But again, I would say, look at indexed universal life which means the index means, I don't want to get too deep into that because I can get really deep into this thing, but it just lets you know that you're not going to lose any money, right? You're mm -hmm. not going to lose any money. And if you die early, your beneficiaries will get the money. But if you live out your life, then that money 
has built up a cash value that you can invest in with it or you can borrow against the money. The right. These policies is there are some policies, you you know you don't it's not like a loan a, a a standard loan where you have to actually you don't have to do it doesn't work that way. It's a whole different thing. So we need what I'm saying is we need financial education when it comes to these kinds of insurance is an investment. Insurance companies look at it as as they wager that something is going to happen in your life. But we look at it as an investment. Yes, something may happen. And eventually, yeah, I'm going to die. But when that happens, my family, my posterity should get something from it. Maybe a million dollars, maybe a hundred thousand. But a hundred thousand can go somewhere. You know, they can use it for something else. Right. So, yeah, let's get financially literate, especially in the area of insurance. Now, again, not only that, Rabbi, if uh, you can you can borrow against and, and, and if somebody has like cancer, you can actually start getting money out of that policy. That's not even a borrow against it, that you can start withdrawing some of that money uh, to help out with some of the needs you may have if they're terminally ill. Yeah, that's a living benefit. Yeah, that's another one, a living benefit. So yeah, those are there. Those policies, those types of policies. Are there. And another thing is, if you're healthy, like a, a, a Cody Easter said, if you're healthy, get a million dollar policy, and you don't even have to go through a medical exam. It's a little bit pricey when you do it that way, you know. But if you're healthy, go ahead and take the exam. I'm saying, if you're healthy and you know you take the exam, if you've never been diagnosed with anything. Take the exam because it's going to cut on your premium. Okay, it'll cut the cost of the premium long term. Once you're in there, you're in. Just make your your payments. If you own a home, you own homeowners. Get make sure that you get a cheap. You can get a, a very expensive policy that'll cover that home. Right, we'll pay that home off. Right, so there are different ways that we can build and accumulate wealth. Uh, we just need to get educated on it. And we have that information available, right, on the different types of policies, depending on what your financial and health situation is, you can get a good policy and it can fit within your budget. Insurance companies are required to make sure, especially when you deal with annuities, to make sure that you can financially afford that policy, okay? They are acting as fiduciaries. So that's important to understand that. Annuities, remember, let me go over it. Term life, whole life, index, universal life, or IULs, and then there's the burial insurance. Those types of insurance, and don't forget the annuity. Your 401k is nothing but an annuity. I'm living witness of the annuity. I get paid, you know, an annuity. I get a check every month. I don't do anything. I get a check every month for my annuity, right? So build that. It's a life policy. It's a life annuity, right? Um, and, uh, you know, just just remember that, you know, get mm -hmm. the information. So yeah. I, I just want to get on that topic because there's in the, in the Caucasian community, it's generational wealth of those life insurance policies. When they when the people are dying, they become millionaires. You see them driving a Ferrari the next week and we and we be hating on them. And we need to start investing in things like that. So when we leave our generations are getting you know, more advanced, getting richer and richer. The generational wealth is building it up. So I just wanted to discuss that. And then if you are sickly, you don't have a policy, there's policies out there for 10 to $25,000 doesn't even require a physical. 
But we need to look into that because it's just sad how uh, people are going and you and the first thing you see out there is a GoFundMe. People can't even grieve for a loved one because they don't have a, a life insurance policy and it's wrong. I don't care what anybody say. Well, Easter this and that. Well, you buy McDonald's, you buy all this kind of stuff. Save some money up. The $20 or $25 a month. It's wrong to die and leave your body for somebody else to worry about burying it. Then they said, well, just cremate me. Well, that costs too. I'm sorry, but that's going to run you about three or four grand. Stop it. Stop it. We have got to do better. Yeah. The average policy is about- you young people yeah. are living in your parents' house. Start investing. Get a life insurance. If they don't have one already, get a policy on them. Have them sign off on it. I see uh, young people for hundreds and hundreds of dollars playing those video games and gambling with each other on video games. Three to five hundred dollars. I couldn't believe it. And you can't get a, a policy or invest in something. That's the best investment you can get because nine times out of ten, we're going to die before our kid. And so... Uh, I just wanted to, anybody else have anything they want to say before we go into our lesson? I, I, I was just going to say, and, and actually, I think it goes on both parts, you know, because that's usually the standard. Uh, we used to always believe that, you know, parents go first, but it seemed as the years go by, we have more parents bearing children for whatever reason, whether it be drugs or accidents and stuff like that, it almost seems like things are in reverse. So I think when we also are uh, showing like our kids who are getting policies on it, because I can remember being little and uh, when I was young and my mom, she had like insurance policy on her, even in the school, you know, we had to fill out these forms where us as kids, you know, we had insurance policy. So it kind of like, it taught them, I guess, maybe that's just not done <laughs> anymore in, in the schools and stuff like they used to. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They used to talk about, to us about that in school. They sure did. I remember that. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me that. We sure did. We and, and, and when I had originally bought my policy, uh, Minister Griff, he was covered under until he got out of college. There was a term. We lost you. Which until he got out of college, he was covered for $10,000. Mm -hmm. And so now he's adult. He's married. He has a policy, him and his wife, what they do, what they do. I had talked to him because there's two incomes coming in right now. Look at Paul. Yeah. The whole bit. You need to have these conversations. They're having these conversations. The other races are having these conversations. And so uh, it, it just saddens me when, when I see those GoFundMe's and how people are struggling to try to bury loved ones. It, it's, it's really, it, it breaks my heart, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think we're about to um we're losing her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's frozen right now. Logging on. Huh? We lost you for a second there, Sister Easter. But uh the one thing I will say to this as well is that when my mom first told me about taking out a life policy on her. It was weird to me because of just the stigma that goes around in our community of like that. I was like, that sounds morbid. I'm going to like bet on your death because I just didn't understand. Um, but I'm a math teacher. Uh, I was trained as a math teacher. 
and I'm a numbers guy. And so when we sat down and really did the numbers, she was talking about a million dollar policy. And he was like, you know, it costs this much per month. It was somewhere around $300 a month. And just to get into the math real quick for my folks out there who are investing and things like that. Once we did the numbers for her to live to 85 and for me to pay $300 a month from now until then, um, if I were to take that money and invest it in a pretty high yield savings account, I would have yielded from, from now until that time about 30 something years, I would have yielded back about 300, around $300,000. Whereas mm -hmm. having a life policy, if I do that same investment, I get back a million dollars. And so from the numbers, it just made sense. And that's when I was like, you know, I never thought about this and it, you know, it seemed this way because of the stigma, but you're right, mom, everybody has to go at some point and why have this stigmatized? Why not invest in it? And so I just wanted to say that as well, like as somebody who heard it and was like, uh, I don't know, that didn't sound right to actually doing the numbers and seeing like that makes sense. And I, I teach a math for social justice class in which I do a lot of financial literacy in that class uh, because unlike Rabbi and Brother Mike, you know, I never seen any of this growing up. We didn't have any investment classes. We didn't have anything like that. I did not do my taxes coming out. And so I started a class that was dedicated for, for that. And life insurance is something I've had to add to that class after having this conversation with my mom, because it is something that is uh, responsible, makes you a responsible, financially literate person and can add generational wealth. So I just wanted to add that little piece right there as well. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad that uh, you see your mother can educate you a little bit <laughs> on, on a couple things in life. I'm a little seasoned, uh, yeah. but um, yes. And so I, I do have one in place, but it just, when I when I sat down and, and, and God gives you things, when you go into meditation about different things, and at first he was selling, he told me it didn't make sense. And then here comes the, here comes the plagues. I could and I had COVID. I could he could have been a millionaire a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, if the COVID would have killed me, right? Because we just don't know. I'm on the road now. You just don't know. He's saying 85. Right now, the, the life rate is 65. They put it that with the plagues and everything hit, the average lifespan has gone down to 65. If you get to 85, you real blessed these days. Yeah. So I just want you to let that marinate in your spirit. I want you to put it on paper and do the number. And it only makes sense. It only makes sense from this 401k or whatever you're doing. Take it lower and get a, a policy if you can on your parents. Now they've gone up a little bit, but just look into it. Yeah. Because if God is, is telling me to tell you this and you're watching this, it's for a reason. Yeah. You know, uh, just to add a piggyback on that again, I talked to a man before and he said I asked him what kind of policy he wanted he said I don't want to get too much because I don't want to leave my children too much money now that's <laughs> selfish you don't want to oh, you know and that's that's a common answer I don't want to leave, uh, $25,000 that would be good enough wow yeah, that's good enough that's enough to bury me because $11,000 of that is going to the burial <laughs> so you're really getting about $10,000 out of yeah, but he he actually said, I don't want to leave that much money to my family, my children. You know, that's Man. so think about that. Ugh. I definitely need to um review again. 
with my mother because I was definitely the type that would go ah la 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 when she's trying to tell me and she's following me around the house <laughs> trying to give me the information. <laughs> I think I'm a bit better now. I, I have more details. Um, and But in terms of the life insurance part of it, I, I probably need to go back and review that with her. So thanks for that. I'm probably going to talk to her tomorrow and, you know, write it down, get all the notes. Yeah. Thank you. Back to Rebecca. That is so selfish for somebody to say that. It wouldn't, it, it, to me, it, it's, it's love language. One of my love languages is food. If I cook for you, invite you to my house for dinner or take you out to dinner, that's a love language of mine. And a love language for my son is that when I go, I'm leaving him with a lot of money. That, that It pleases my heart to know that when I pass on, he gonna get a check. And for someone to say, hey, I came in here, I'm going along, I don't wanna leave that much money. That is a selfish act. And it's disgusting for, for me to hear that. That's just how I feel. Yeah. Okay, Minister Mike, um, if you can go ahead and um, and do our Torah prayer, please, so we can go into the word of God. And I just hope that uh, this, if, if the Lord said, if it's just one that get it, the angel of the health, the angels in heaven rejoice. If it's just one. Amen, amen. So um, before our uh, illustrious rabbi begins the Torah, we're going to do the blessing of the Torah before we get on the studying. Barukotah Adonai, Elohinu Melech HaAlam, Asher Kedeshanu, B'mitzvotah V'tzivanu, La'asot B'devre Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our power, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments, and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Amen, amen. And then bless the name. When I say Baruch Hashem, that means bless the name for you all that are, that are learning the Ivri. Bless the name. Well, well, uh, blessings to all. And uh, again, it's another Shabbat. And it's uh, a day when the heavens are open and we receive our blessings. We are as if we are standing at the throne or sitting at the throne of our Father, receiving blessings. So today, with the studies today, last week we were, and the week before, we were, we were in the book of Daniel, chapters seven through nine. Um, today, I'm gonna do a little review of the Torah from the book of Jubilees, because next week I want to go into the book of Jeremiah or Jeremiah. Um, there was a request made for that along with the book of, of Daniel. So um, this week though, I want to go back uh, for the specific purpose to remind us of the creative story or the creation story and who we are and why we do what we do, okay? My name is Absalom Ben Yaakov, or Rabbi, Rabbi Absalom. Uh, in Israel, I'm Rabbi Absalom. Uh, but for you, I'm your brother. Uh, Rabbi just means I'm teaching. I'm com I've committed to teaching the Torah, okay? Um, without excluding the Brit Hadashah or the, the renewed covenant, because I believe that we get good fruit from the entire 
writings of the Bible. So today, uh, with the parashah being from the book of Exodus, um, and talking about, as uh, Minister Mike has in his background, if you see that, he's got the priestly garments up there. So that's what this, that's what this parashah is about. It's about the priestly garments. And it's, it's about the oil and it's about the wicks and, and the connection of all those things. And it talks about the ordination of the priesthood, you see? But, but, but that, you know, and that's beautiful. You know, that's a beautiful teaching and we should study that. We should all be familiar with that and understand it because it has spiritual implications and it has natural implications. And it shows us, it gives us a window into what was going on at the temple time. Uh, or should I say the, the tabernacle time before the temple was even born. So we're talking about the tabernacle right now, right? And so, but I'm not going to get into that today, right? I just wanted to, to touch on it and say, if you have not read this parish, you should go back and read it and study it because you'll find some little jewels or nuggets in there that will inspire, inspire you uh, and, and, and encourage you which is what I really want to do is encourage you uh, to study the Torah, to study it, to really get into it, because you'll find that it's talking about you and it's talking about our various life experiences and how we deal with them in our decision making. So today, again, this being what we call Black History Month and, you know, uh, I like to call it Hebrew month, Hebrew reminding month or Israel reminding month because many of us, not all of us, but many of us are Israel, right? We are actually seed of Israel or seed of Jacob. Understand what I'm saying? We are seed of Jacob. Many of us, not all, but many of us. Others have attached themselves to the seed of Jacob. And so there's no difference between the two. Once you accept the yoke of Torah, there's no difference between the two, right? But from the beginning, as I'm going to, to share with you, I'm gonna share my screen. I'm gonna attempt to share with you um, uh, about this, 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 this family that you're born into, right? And I'm gonna do it from a book, uh, uh, book of Jubilees, which is one of the books that King James and his, his cohorts decided not to put in the print that we have today in the 66 books that we have in the King James Version. That's why I call it King James Version because this is what he wanted you to know. He didn't want you to know the whole thing, right? He just wanted, you know, Esau, what is the other name of Esau? He got another name. Esau got another name. Right, Edomites, <laughs> Edom, Esau is Edom, right? So they didn't want us to know everything, right? Because once you know the truth, you can break out of the bondage of the world system. Again, because this is Hebrew history month, remember the captors did not want you to know who you were. So they forbade you to learn to read because once you learn to read, then you understand freedom and you understand who you are. Because when you can understand what's in the scripture, if your mind has not been tainted and you have not been completely 
indoctrinated, uh, you can break free, which is the case with many of our forefathers that were here in this land, right? Uh, back in the 17th, 16th, 17th, uh, uh, 100s. So the book of Jubilees, as you say, I see an introduction. I have an introductory here. This is one of the books that, that were left out, okay? And, and, and I'm gonna see, we see where I have my, can you all see this? Okay, where it says uh, that it was lost of the Christian world for centuries, preserved only in four Ge'ez texts dated to the 15th and 16th century. Ge'ez is Ethiopia. That's what they wrote. That's from, that was their language. That was their, their holy language. So it was kept in the Ge'ez. So they had this copy in there by their Torah has about 82 books, 82 when compared to the, the King James Version. So this is one of those books that the Ethiopians have in their Bibles, right? And I wanted you to, to know that, understand it. Now they found that in 1948, we know what happened in 1948. They say Israel became a nation again, you know, and all this stuff, but that's outside of the, that's outside of the, the prophecy, right? When Messiah comes, he's going to establish Israel. We understand that. But in 1948, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. 15 Hebrew scrolls fragments were found. And one of the books was the Book of Jubilees, all right, at the Dead Sea, of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that's what I'm going to read from today, translated into English. It was in Hebrew. I mean, not the modern-day Hebrew. It was not in modern-day Hebrew because modern-day Hebrew, we get it from the 12th century, from the Masoretic text, Syro-Aramaic. That's what we're reading today. But what they found, what, what we call paleo or ancient Hebrew, the true Hebrew that many of us are returning to today, all right? So that's just a very little bit brief introduction to this, why I'm reading from this. And, and many of those of us who study at the Hebrew congregation, we've already read this portions of this book. So you're very familiar with this book in our congregation. And, and so I want to start it off at the beginning with Moshe Rabino of Blessed Memory. Uh, and, and it started off actually pretty close to where we are, Exodus chapter 24. So I'm really staying a bit with the parish all, but I want, again, I want to go back to foundations, all right? And notice where it says, uh, Moses ascended the mountain, Mount Sinai, uh, and this is the time frame in the year 2450, okay? It said, it came to pass in the first year of the Exodus of children of Israel, right? Uh, out of Egypt. And when I say Egypt, I want you to think of it as where you are today and where we live today as the world system. Because at that time, Egypt was a world power. And remember the story of Joseph, of Joseph of, of, of blessed memory that he was sold into what? Slavery in Egypt. And later on, his family, the family of Yaakov went in and they went in as guests and they, had, they were in Goshen and the very best of the land, right? But it, it went sour. It, it turned sour. Uh, it went south. I should put it, it went south. Now, they were not there as captives 400 years. It was on the last maybe 200 or 185 years. They were actually under hard bondage. 
So if you're thinking about the prophecy, this is not that prophecy of the 430 years of bondage in the world system. Again, I use the term, the world system. Egypt represented the world power or the world system. So I'm gonna go down, it says, and Moses went up, uh, and Moses went up into the mountain of God and the glory of the Lord abode on Mount Sinai and a cloud overshadowed six days. Remember in the parashah, there was seven days ordination that had to take place for the, for the, the Levites, the sons of Aaron. That had to go seven, seven days. It says so, and he says uh, six days, and he called to Moses on the seventh day of the midst of the cloud. Now, last week, remember I, we were talking about it, Daniel. I said that, that when they're doing prophecies, it's the same prophecy, but it advances in time and it advances God to give you more detail. But it's actually, when you look at it, it is the same prophecy, the same uh, results and the same effects are going on with nations and the leader of that nation. Where here we see Moshe Rabbeinu up in the cloud six days, but on the seventh day, in other words, at the conclusion of his ordination. See, again, the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, then when well, at the time when they, it was seven days that they, of their completion of their ordination into the priesthood. You see how, so I'm giving you an understand, I'm trying to make you understand the principle of how the scripture, it, 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 it works. And it works that way through every generation and in every life. You'll see these principles unfolding. In, if you follow your life, you will find these principles actually operating in your life through, as you live. If you haven't, stop paying attention and you'll see things, certain things will happen and it, it has already happened to someone else and you'll see that unfolding in your life. You see, and when you start to study the family of the patriarchs, you'll see the same things happening over again. If you look at your families, you'll see things happening over, we call them sometimes generational curses. But the scripture has already revealed to you why and what is going on. And it also tells you how to get out of it, okay? And it says at the end of that, that seven days, he said, and the, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a, a flaming fire on the top of the mount. So everybody could see that. There were witnesses of this, okay? So Moses is there. He is operating as actually like a priest or a Messiah at his time. There have been many messiahs that came before Yeshua Mashiach bin Dawid. Many messiahs. Messiahs are like leaders of the nation that will lead you back to, they're supposed to lead you back to the Father or back to the Torah or back to the right path and to protect you along the way or to intercede for you along the way as you go through different circumstances in life as a people and as individuals. Okay. Now, Israel is a nation of messianics or nation of messiahs. Those of you that have attached yourself and those of you that are, 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 that are the lineage of Yaakov, you are a type of, or a sort of a, a, uh, a leader. To the, we are born to be leaders of the nation, to lead them back to the father. That's our responsibility. That's, I should say, that's one of our responsibilities. Do I need to remind you of what was given to, to Adam and Eve, Adam and Quan in the garden? 
He said, I give you dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and everything that, that creeps upon the face of the earth. He gave them dominion. He said, over the creation, he gave it to them. That was their responsibility. And that responsibility did not end with Adam and Quan. We are still under that same responsibility. Remember again, from Daniel, I said, each time that they don't go away, but they're still there. We still have the same responsibility. That's why we have this talk about the green technology, because there's always going to be a people that are guardians and protectors of the earth. Okay, and that's what we're supposed to do because we are instructed to or commanded to, to take control and rule the earth. That's a part of the plan. Okay, we are part of the Godhead. We are his children. We are supposed to stand out. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read some more. It says, God taught him the early and the latter historic uh, history of the division of all days of the laws and testimony. And, and, and now what, understand this, you have the written law and then you have the oral law. Moshe Rabbeinu received all of that at the mount. Okay, all of this was revealed to him at the, and that's what this is talking about. We say the days and the laws of the testimony. Everything that we receive today was given to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? A lot of it was not documented because through the ages, Listen at this, through the ages, the principle of operation would not change. The principle of operation will never change. But the methods we call the oral tradition or the oral law, we are able to adapt to the circumstances and situations that we live in according to the time frames. And we must be cognizant of that because we don't live the same way they did at the time of the mount. Times have changed, technology has advanced, and we have moved forward as a people. And some of us have lost our identity, heritage, and culture, so we have to adapt, okay, to the situation. And we have, again, we have that that is written in stone, which are the 10 words or the 10, the Decalogue. And then there's the, those that, we, that, are, that are, uh, we're able to adapt to the circumstance that we live in. All right, because we don't have a temple now, so we don't do sacrifices. See, we don't, I don't want to, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm gonna, no, let me go ahead and say this. I have to say it. We don't pay tithes now because the temple is gone. The purpose of the tithe was to maintain the temple in Jerusalem. Now, that doesn't say you don't have to give an offering, but you're not tithing. We do give an or, an offerings toward ministries uh, so that we can sustain the ministry in order to, so that we can help the world system, but it is not a tithe. The tithe actually was not money. It was not meant. It was the the the, the burnt offerings, the, the Ola offerings and, and things of that nature that we brought up and we ate at the temple mount and we ate and we fed the priests. It was a tax for the children, the tax for the children of Israel to keep to control and to maintain the tabernacle and the priesthood and the widows and the orphans that were there. That's what it's for. If you think you're paying a tithe now, you're not really paying a tithe. You're giving in offerings in order to support the various ministries and ministers in order to sustain those that are, that are weak amongst us. All right. That's, that's what it's intended to be. Okay. So he said, 
again, back verse five says, and he said, incline your heart to every word, which I will speak to you on this mount and write them in a book in order that their generation may see how I have not forsaken them for all the evil which they have wrought in transgression, the covenant, which I established between me and you for their generations this day on the mount. Now he's in the mount and he's already talking about the future. He said, as if it has already happened. Now, what, now, if you want to understand that, you have to go to chapter two and look at that because it talks about, someone asked me about the dateless path. What do we get the dateless path? Why do people see that the earth is so many millions of years old and in science and today? And, and the reason is because the stars, the moon, and, and those things didn't come into play until after so much had been created. So there is a dateless past that we, you know that is not numbered because time was created for us. Understand that time was created for us. There was much creation that was done, the angels and, different, and, the, and, and the separator of the waters and all those things were done in the dateless past. We don't know how long it took to do that. We say seven days, you know, well, four days, we say, the first three days, and then and then in the fourth day you come in with us. But we don't know, according to men, how long that really was. But for us, we put it down at a certain time, right? So in the spiritual realm, there's no such thing as time, no up, no down, no east, no west. In the spiritual realm, that's all created for the children of Israel and for the world systems to keep us. Actually, it was for the children of Israel to keep us on track with the Sabbath and the feast and the Moedim, okay? Now it says, and remember again, notice it says for their generations. That means that's forever. That's for you, your children, your children's children, and a continuation. When it says generations, that's what it's talking about. So we're supposed to be teaching our children these things. Okay. So it says, and thus will I, when it comes to pass, and when all these come upon them, that they will recognize that I am more righteous than they in their judgments and in all their actions, that they will recognize that I have been truly with them. Again, he's already talking about future things. He, so Moses understood what's going to happen. So he made a way for us. Even at this time when Moses was there, he had already established that we, the method that we would be saved, the methods that we would return to him. We already know. Now, I need to go back. I went for it a little bit too fast. Let me go back. If you know how I got to say, it says, and they will, now watch this. It says, um, I'm going down to where it says, verse seven, it says, and do you write for yourselves all these words which I declare unto you this day, for I know their rebellion and their stiff neck before I bring them, before I bring them into the land, which I swore to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Now it's Abraham, we're gonna have to deal with him because that's us. That's our life experiences. We experience everything. That, if you were born in the United States of America, if you're a baby boomer and after the baby boomer, whatever they call the people after baby boomers, you're born into a house or into a nation that did not keep the Sabbath nor the feast. But inside there, you are an Abraham because in your families, if you've returned to the Torah, if you've returned turn to keeping the Sabbath and, and you're 
learning the feast and you're keeping the feast, you are just like Abraham because your family is going to look at you like you've gone off the deep end. You have gone off. We got our such and such. And I didn't bring you up like that. And sometimes you're kicked out and ostracized from your family because you've chosen the way of God. You've returned to the ancient path. Okay. So you're like Abraham. Abraham was in Babylon. Right? He was in the Babylonian area. He was over there. Right? And his father was a idol maker. He had idols all around him. But Abraham, Abraham grew up in his house. But Abraham did not follow the way of his fathers. In fact, he influenced his father to change. That's us. Many of us are like Abraham. Our life is a reflection of the life of Abraham. If you've returned to the Torah, if you've returned to what Moshe Rabbeinu handed down, you're just like Abraham Abino. Just like. But remember, Abraham was before Moses. You see? So Moses actually returned to what Abraham taught. And what Abraham received. You see? Who did Abraham receive? You know, he, who did he, Ham, Shem, and Jeff, and he received it from Shem. Shem received it from Noah. Noah received it from, from Lamech. Lamech received it from Methuselah. Methuselah received it from Enoch, right? And, um, you know, and, and so on, back all the way back to, to Seth uh, and, and, and to uh, Adam. So that's how, you're, that's what we're returning to. These were, these men before Abraham, these were all powerful men in the earth. They were a type of Mashiach because they were leading back, they were teaching eternal life. Even before Moses walked the earth, eternal life was taught, okay? So that, and that's why it's important to understand and to, to get some of these, these manuscripts that have been left out. He said, and they will eat, listen to this, wait a minute, let me go back. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, unto your seed will I give a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, and they will eat and be satisfied, and they will turn to strange gods, to, to gods which I cannot deliver them from. Listen at this, to gods which I cannot deliver them from out of their tribulation. Why? Why is he said? Because he can do anything. But why can't, why won't, in other words, we are the masters of our own fate. He has given us control over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth. It's our choice to stay in the tribulation or to come out. That's what he's saying. Because in the end, he's going to have to do it anyway. All right. He says, and this witness shall be heard for a witness against them, for they will forget my commandments. How many of you know the commandments? How many people do you know that know the commandments? I'm talking just the 10. You see, just the 10, the 10. I mean, I, sh I shouldn't say just the 10, but the 10. You see, if you can, if it's frontless before your eyes, and I'm not talking about Tefillin, if, it, if the Torah, the commandments, the 10 words, the Decalogue are frontless before your eyes, in other words, if you can remember them and remember to live by them and you bind them in your hand and you do the works that are commanded in the commandments, you see, that's when you're walking it, not because you're wearing a Teflon on your, on your forehead and on your, on your arm. That doesn't change anything. I know that's going to make a lot of Jews mad. 
But them Teflon ain't don't change a thing. They're there. They're talisman. They ain't have no power. The power is when you have the commandments in your heart. That's why his name is Yuhevalhe. You see, the hand of the the hand of the spirit is connecting the wind of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's what's in his name, Yudhevalhe. You see? So, you know, it's okay if you want to wear the Teflon, if it reminds you, helps to remind you. But that's not the thing that, that it takes to do it. And I do wear some from time to time. I do wear the Teflon, but I say, you know, I really don't, you know, I do this because I don't want to offend the other people when I'm in their presence. But I know that it means that it's my heart has to change. And, and what I do has to line up with the, the commandments. I know that. See, even though that I command them, and they will walk after the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Gentiles are the, the people of the nation. You know, when Adam and Quan had nine other sons? Listen to that. Adam and Quan had nine, nine other sons. They populated the earth. And they didn't follow Seth. See, but they're out there. But the, the thing is, they were wiped out, right? Supposedly, they were wiped out by the flood. But these other people were out there in the world, right? Just like it is for us today. The other nations are out there. They've been born. They, remember, in the spiritual realm, the spirits don't die. They may, some of them were in the bondage. But the spirits are what controls the hearts of men that, 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 that vie for control over your mind. That's why we pray that we follow the good inclination and not the evil inclination because it's there for us to choose. And if you don't know the commandment, if it's not a part of your heart, you will easily follow the nations and bow down to their gods and do what they do and believe the lie you will be turned over to believe the lie and you will accept the lie. But if you allow the zim zoom to take place in your heart, in other words, the darkness that, that, in, that is there, if you allow the spark of light to shine through it, to shatter the darkness, then you can come out of the world system, okay? It says, and, and after their in uncleanness and after their shame, talk about the, the Gentiles, after their shame, in other words, just dress any kind of way. You know, you look at people and say, some things, some people shouldn't wear. You, you said it, you heard it, you thought it. Some people, some things that people should not be wearing, but they wear it. I was in a, in a place and I saw, uh, we were in Costa Rica, I guess it was, and the man walking down and didn't, you know, just let his private parts all out. Yeah, demonic, right? That's, you know, and then, and then you find us trying to follow the world system. We have to come out of the world system, right? It says, and will serve their gods, and these will prove unto them an offense and a tribulation and an affliction and a snare. We have to be aware. That's why I'm reviewing this for all of you Hebrews, all of you Israelites. I'm reviewing this for you so to, to, to remind you every once in a while, you need to be reminded, right? Um, Many will, many will perish and they will be taken captive and fall into the hands of the enemy. That's our, that's why we're here, all right? Because they have forsaken the ordinance and my commandments and the festivals of my covenant and my Sabbaths and my holy place, which I have hallowed 
for myself in their midst and my tabernacle and sanctuary. Okay, I'm gonna go down again. It says, they will worship each his own graven image. And I'm gonna drop down again. It says, I will send witnesses unto them. If you're falling away, he says, I will send witnesses. Why? Because he has mercy and grace. I will send witnesses unto them that I may witness against them, but they will not hear and will slay the witnesses also. And they will persecute those who seek the law and they will abrogate and change everything so as to work evil before my eyes. Daniel, the book of Daniel tells us that they would seek to change. See, this is talking about something that Daniel is talking about before Daniel was even born, that they would seek to change the times and the season. And that's what this is talking about. Again, what Daniel is talking about has already been prophesied long before he was born, before he was, you know, came into the, into the earth. And next week when we talk about Jeremiah, he says, I knew you before you were in your, what? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I already knew you. So he already knows, okay? It says, um, and I shall hide my faith from them and I will shall deliver them into the hand of the Gentiles for captivity and for prey and for devouring. And I shall remove them from the midst of the land and I shall scatter them amongst the nations. You know, we can see that in our lives and the people around us when people are killed in the streets and, and we're, we're like a byword in many places that we go and, and, and you know, uh, you know, so the whole purpose of this thing is to, to, to remind us and to let you be restored. Let us as a people be restored to where we really belong, you know, where we belong. Okay. So, um, uh, it says here, I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm going to read some for the sake of time. I'm down at verse 24. Okay. Um, and I'm going to do this because this is a legal term. When it says shall is a legal term. It says, I shall be their father. They shall be my children. When, when this is in scripture, when you see this in scripture, when he says, I will be their father, they will be my children. Remember why they wanted to kill Yeshua? They said because he makes himself equal with God by calling call himself the son of God. You know what? He's talking about you. We call him father. He don't make us God, but we are his children. And he gives us authority in the earth. We return to the authority in the earth. Yeshua came to show us that way, if you can believe that. He didn't come to take the place of the father. He came to show us the way. He said, I came for the children of Israel, the lost children of Israel. All right. He didn't come for the nation. He came for the lost children of Israel. And yet he had mercy on the Gentile, on the, on the woman that came. He had mercy because she came, right? Even the dogs can eat at the master's table. And he said, great is your faith. He gave it, he took care of her, right? But remember, he came for us. He came for you. This is your history. This is your month of history. And so I'm reading some of your history right now. This is a history lesson and a review. He said, I shall be the father, they shall be my children, and they will all be called children of the living God, you know? If, if, that, if that don't make you want to change your direction, 
and come back to the commandments that he gave to us. The commandments are for the children of Israel, not for the nations. They were created for us as his children. Yeshua said, in my father's house. We say, our father which art in heaven. Malachi says, he said, the prophet says, and Malachi said, if I be your father. In other words, he knew that he's their father. He said, you need to respect your father. You see, he said, and every, he says, and I will be all, I will be, uh, and they will be called children of the living God. And every angel, listen at this, if you return, every angel and every spirit will know. He says, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? Right? He says, and every spirit, you have to understand that the spirits are subject to our authority when we operate as children of the Father. When you understand that you are kings and, and you are a children of the king, the creator, we are his children, right? He says, he says, every angel, every spirit will know, yeah, they will know that these are my children and I am their father in uprightness and righteousness and that I love them. He says that, he said to you right now, I love you. He knows where you are. He knows the circumstances and situations that you have been placed in that are operating in your life. And he's telling you, I know you and I love you. And that's why he gave us the commandments because he loves us. Um, now, I'm going to go for the sake of time because I, you may have questions. Now, I'm skipping through these, these days of the week, the creation of the earth on the fourth day, it talks about the, the firm and the light and the moon and the, and, and the days for signs and seasons, why he created, as I kind of alluded to earlier. Okay. But, um, I'm going to read the sixth day. It says, he created man and a woman, created them and gave him dominion over all that is upon the earth. That's what I'm talking about, okay? And in the seas and every, over everything that flies and every beast and over all over cattle and everything that moves on the earth and over the whole earth and over all this, he gave him dominion. He did not give us dominion over other men. We're not to rule over other men. And so in my uh, teachings on, in, uh, on Cape Coast, I, I mentioned to you that there was a time when they weaponized the Bible against the Africans, the enslaved Africans. They weaponized it. So what they did was they dehumanized them so that they would become beasts of burden and no longer recognized and considered as human beings. So that way they could operate in this very scripture where he says he gave the dominion over everything, over the beast. So they called us monkeys and they make pictures of us so that they can weaponize the scripture and tell you that you need to bow to them. That's how they weaponized the scripture. And that's how they indoctrinated us, our ancestors, into following their way away from the Torah and to, to, to worshiping on the wrong day. As it says earlier, I said earlier, they sought to change things. 
And then Daniel said, they sought to change the times. He's telling you, he's reminding us that we are not to follow the ways of the Gentile. Even though they have been given rule over us for a time, if we persevere and return to the Torah, that's why they didn't want you to read the Torah. They'll tell you, you don't need the Torah because they don't want you to know the truth of how this, this whole world system is created. They don't want you to know and understand that you are his child and that he does love you and you were never meant to be enslaved as chattel. He wants you to know that they did weaponize his word against you and they perverted the word against you. The nations did that, but we can come out of it. He says on the seventh, now I'm going to the seventh, the Sabbath day, he says, behold, I will separate unto myself. Re Listen at this, you Hebrews, you Israelites. Behold, I will separate unto myself a people from among all the peoples and these will keep the Sabbath day. And I will sanctify them, set them aside unto myself as my people and will bless them as I have sanctified the Sabbath day and do sanctify it unto myself. Even so shall I bless them and they will be my people and I shall be their God and I'll have chosen. And listen, I have chosen the seed of Jacob from amongst all that I have seen and have written him down as my firstborn son. He's talking about you who are the seed of Yaakov. My name is Absalom ben Yaakov. In Israel, I'm Rabbi Absalom ben Yaakov. I am of the seed of Yaakov. I accept that. You know, my dad's name is Yaakov or James, right? So <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Nothing is by coincidence, all right? He says, my, you are my, again, but I want you to see that. He says, I have seen and I have written him down as my firstborn son. So who did he bring out of Egypt? He brought his firstborn son out of Egypt. And who is his firstborn son? You are. You are his children. He brought you out of the world system and systems. He wants you to go back and study your history so that you can operate as his children in the authority in the earth to, to help in the repair of the earth. You were there to help in the creation of the earth. So now you have to repair the earth with him, co-workers with him. That's why Messiah came to remind us. And he told those that were, were faking it until they make it, that you're not his seed. Your seed is of the devil. He is your father. But I came for the lost children of Israel, right? As it says here, my firstborn, my firstborn son, and I have sanctified him unto myself forever and ever. Listen at that. Forever and ever. And I will teach them the Sabbath day and they that they may keep Sabbath thereon from all work. Okay. So he said, and thus he created therein a sign in accordance with which, which they shall keep the Sabbath uh, with us, 
Now, who is the us? Angels of the sanctification and the angels of the presence. We are together. And it says to eat and to drink and to bless, right? Bless him who hath created all things as he hath blessed and sanctified unto himself a peculiar people above all peoples that they should keep the Sabbath together with us. You must and we must understand this fact and this truth, okay? You are the children of the Father, the creator of all things, if you can receive it, if you can receive it. If you don't know that you were born of the house of Yaakov, that you can attach yourself to the house of Yaakov, and there's no difference once you do that attachment. As long as you abide by and obey the Torah or the commandments that are written for you, not for the world system, but for you, so that you can operate in the privilege of keeping the Sabbath. And it's above every other feast day that you can cover with. It is the Sabbath, all right? The Sabbath was, in, was kept in the creation before the earth was even formed. All the angels of the sanctification, all the angels of the presence, they were there. All of those, the angels of the fire and of the winds and all those that are the powers that are in the earth, they are there. They rested on the seventh day. And so because we are his children, we are required. I'm not saying that he doesn't ask us to. We are required to keep the Sabbath. And we can do that. Okay. And we can do that. So, uh, so that is the review before we move into the, the, the prophecy of, of Jeremiah on next week. And remember that we all go through that inauguration into the priesthood because we are a royal priesthood. We are his children and we are a peculiar people. We are his children. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're not a slave. You're not enslaved. You're not impoverished. You're not born to be sick or deceived. You are children of the Most High, our Father. We call him Father. Avino Shabbat Shamayim, our Father, which are in heaven. You pray it, most of you pray it every day. Our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Many of you say that every day. Know it that he is your Father. Believe it that he is your Father and return to him with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohimu, Adonai Echad. And as Yeshua says, Baruch Shem Kabo Malkuto Leolam Ba'ed, right? And, you know, he is our father. Okay. Belotetom, belotetui, et melehava ereka akamoka. Love you, you should not take vengeance nor hold a grudge against the children of your people, but you should love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. I wanted to say that and that because that is what Yeshua added to it. Okay. So with that, I'm going to stop right there for the sake of time. If there are any questions, uh, I'm going to turn, I will turn back the, uh, back to you, uh, Minister Griff, back to you, because I'm going to stop there and uh, open up for questions, uh, suggestions, any testimonies. It also says in the uh, letters, uh, the Brit Hadashah, the 
Right. If you could take the screen down, please. Say that again. Okay, now stop sharing. Okay. I forgot I had that power. <laughs> it also says in the uh, letters uh, or the renewed covenant that um, where you were talking about uh, weaponizing the uh, Torah, the Tara. Um, I was trying to find the book, but I'm not able to pull it up right now. But it also says, slaves obey your masters um, as as you as you're supposed to. I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it exactly. And I believe that's how they used it also from the uh, renewed covenant to obey uh, your masters. And they had slaves, but we as our people also had workers, but we were not slaves. We worked for a period of time or until a debt was paid. Mm -hmm. That's right. L let me say something else um, while we while we while everybody's gathering their thoughts or whatever you want to uh, say. Um, you know, from the time of Ezra, when Ezra was reestablishing the the priesthood, of course, and and we're going into the second period temple time now, right? When the when Ezra was very hard on the priesthood, and and you know they had married with other women. <clears throat> And many of the priests the, were angry with Ezra and they left. They left Israel and they traveled down through Yemen in a place to a city called Sena. And they stayed there for a while. And then they wound up going into um, Zimbabwe and they, create, they established a city called Sena there. And those people are called Limba, Beta Limba Israel. Okay, and that's where you'll find, and that's why you find in there, you find the Arianic priesthood, the Kohen gene is there, they're there. There's another group that also left and went down into Madagascar, and they, they are Levites, and they wear red. That's in Madagascar, right? So during the scattering, uh, many of the, the Levite, the clans of the Levites or the tribes of the Levite would stay together and they, they, they kept themselves pretty much pure. And then we have some that are in Kenya, that also a part of that Beta Limba Israel. And then, of course, we know Kush or Ethiopia, where we, again, I just read from one of the books that they have in their Canaan, and, and they have the, they actually were the Salomo, the dynasty of Salomo was there, right? Many of the Levites were there. Many of them have gone into the land of Israel um, today, and they're there establishing themselves. Uh, and then in, I can't leave out Nigeria. I can't leave out Nigeria where the Igbo, and, and these tribes of people of, of, of Levites and, and, and Kohenim, Kohenim kept themselves separate from the rest of the Hamite nations, okay? And, and so we have to understand that that's a part of our black history because many of us, you may not even know it, but especially in Nigeria, they don't talk about the slave trade so much in Nigeria that the millions were taken out of Nigeria that wound up in this country, right? That had the Cohen blood line in them because of the Igbo, right? And tribes of Judah, which are over there in Yoruba and 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 uh, and and of course in in Ghana and and Sierra Leone and places like that where they're scattered, many of us there. But I wanted to, to, to the ones I wanted to really pull out were Madagascar, 
Zimbabwe, Nigeria, and, and uh, Kush or Ethiopia. And you'll notice that they all look like you, right? So don't, don't be afraid to accept the yoke of Torah because these kept Torah. They didn't keep Talmud, okay? They didn't keep Talmud. They didn't do mission because they were gone before all that took place, but they kept the Torah. So a Torah is enough. That's why I always say the Torah is enough. And remember, the Torah is not the fables, not the case law, but the Torah is the commandments. That's what the Torah, when I say the Torah, I'm talking about the commandments. So because there's going to be arguments about different dates and times when you're studying the scripture and people outside the Torah that don't want to accept the Torah, they'll argue about that. But when you tell them the Torah is not the stories, the Torah are the commandments. That's what the, that's what the father's talking about. That's what our forefathers, they're talking about the commandments. You see, that's, that's the win right there. When you make them understand that it's not the legends that you read about the parting of the sea and the moving of the ax head and, and all that, that's not the Torah. That's case law. Those are examples of what happened in people's lives. The Torah are the commandments that we are to live by. If you hold to that, it doesn't matter all the arguments. Hold to the, to the commandments. That's your Torah. That's Amen. Okay. I, I, re I remember uh, before you know, COVID and everything um, hit, I always attended um, Yom Lemu, which is the day of um, study, of learning. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think it was probably my second year there, they actually had some people from the Lambda tribe that attended there and taught. And I remember there was this one um, rabbi at another conference that I went to. He even said that that kente cloth that we've uh, seen. Yes, that, yes. They believe that kente cloth was actually the covering on the showbread table in the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we did, we've been there. <laughs> been there the whole time, yeah. 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 And they still make the Kenta cloth. Right. right. Handmade. Right. right. That's right. We um, had a classmate from middle school. We were in seventh, eighth, ninth grade together. And she was in Nigeria at the same time we were in Ghana. And her husband is a king. I believe this of the Azuzu tribe. Um, and her father, his father was the third king of that tribe and he is now, her husband is now the fourth king of that tribe. And uh, it was very interesting to read the information that she read and found out about her husband. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Um, we thank you for the word, Rabbi Absalom. Um, Black history is 365 days not just this month, and that's what we're doing. We're giving you the black history every day. The United States want to go back only to the 1600s. No, we got to go all the way back. And that's what we're telling you. All the way back at the beginning was us. That's us in the Bible. As we're uh, driving here from Vegas to Utah and all these mountains, there's Indian reservations here where they gave them the weakest and the, and the worst of the land. We're not, they're not getting good water, but yet, They've taken the prime. Who? The United States. They've taken the prime of the land. And, and then, like Rabbi was telling you, it enslaved us. But like Rabbi said, we were his firstborn. 
Yes, Yahshua, Jesus was his only begotten son, but we were his firstborn. He loves us. And he has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten the, the land that you see, the mountains and stuff that was taken from the people and how they were slaughtered also. The indignant people also. So God has not forgotten us. You're getting your black history here. We thank you uh, for the word of God. We thank everybody for tuning in. We thank you about the revelation about the generational wealth. You hear the United States and a lot of people from uh, Goldman Sachs saying, hey, we hear y'all. We're giving black back to the black community. We're giving loans to start business to help out. I don't see the money. Matter of fact, I tried, I tried you, I test you. I went and I applied for one of those. And they said, well, you have to have a million, million dollars or 500 worth of collateral. Well, yeah. Excuse my friend, well, why are you, I think I'm gonna get the money. You're telling us it's there, but then you want the collateral, which means uh, we're not getting it. Yeah. Let me do something, we ain't getting it, okay? So I'm telling you, we have to do it ourselves. We can't wait on people anymore. Leave some money for your family. If it's nothing but ten dollars to get them off the ground to start a home business, leave them something. Mm. Yeah. She she hitting the brake, so it's time for me to get off. Anyway, she <laughs> <laughs> she she listening to me. I'm getting her riled up. But anyway, we'll have a minister Mike if you'll do our closing prayer. Thank you. I I, I close Easter. <laughs> Father God, our forefathers, Abraham, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Yaakov, we thank you, we love you, we honor you, we bless you, Lord. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for protection and provision. We thank you for healing and restoration. We thank you for guidance and direction. We thank you, Lord, most of all, for your love, your son that you gave to us, Lord. Yeah. You said in your word that we may have the gift of prophecy. We may ha have phantom of riches and give it off for sacrifice. But if we don't have love, we have nothing at all. We thank yeah. you, Father, because you know, we know that you are love. God is love. We thank you for the plans because you said in your word, I know the plans that I have for you in mind for you. It's for well-being and not for bad things, that you will have hope and a future, that when you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. And when you call to me and pray to me, then when you seek me, you will find me, provided that we seek him wholeheartedly, Lord. And I will, he said, I will let you find me. And then I will reverse your exile. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have driven you and bring you back to the place from which I exiled you. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for another Shabbat. We thank you for this time of fellowship and friendship and learning about your word, drawing closer to you. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Yes, Lord. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandment and commanded us to be a light to the nation and who gave to us Yeshua, our Messiah, the light of the world. Yeshua, in the name of Yeshua. 
Amen. In the name of Yeshua, we thank you, Minister Mike, for the beautiful prayer. We thank you, everybody that has tuned on. Um, every Saturday, we'll be here. Leave a, a note at the bottom. Um, share and like our episodes. Join us. You don't have to say anything. Uh, just send me your email address. The Lord loves you. Yahweh loves you. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Face east. Pray. Teach your family. Teach your seed about who they are and who they come from. And that they, they are priests and priestesses. And that they are kings and they are queens. And that God has not forgotten them and he loves them. And that give it to him because it's all too big for us. Teach them and educate, educate them on generational wealth. Show them the way. Have those conversations with them. Sit down with them. He loves you. We love you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Shalom. 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 Griff, we need for you to shut it off.